Member McHugh? Give me one second. Member Natoli? Here. Member Mills? Here. Member Patoha? Absent. Vice Chair Post? Here. Did I get everyone? I got everyone. Okay. Item number two, opportunity for the public to comment on matters within the committee's jurisdiction that are not on the agenda. Actually, actually, Ms. Kui uh, McNulty is also here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Member Mc McNulty. Uh, present. Moving on to item number two, opportunity for the public to comment on any matters within the committee's jurisdiction that are not on the agenda. I have a handout. Okay. Just to note, um, Member Patoa um, just walked in. Good morning. My name is Jerry Drattler, and I served on the civil grand jury as the, excuse me, on Sigobak as the civil grand jury member in 2015-16. I'm also a retired CPA. There are many new Sigobak members, and I thought it would be useful to hand out a copy of Appendix F, the legislative underpinning, for the city services auditor, the department and the position. And C. Gobach, of course, is uh, charged with overseeing the CSA. I highlighted two sections, F1.100, which deals with the mission, and section F1.101 that outlines tasks the CSA shall perform. And this is an important distinction. There are tasks the CSA may perform, and there are mandated tasks the CSA shall perform. I will address tasks the CSA shall or is required to perform and is not performing. If you look at section F101 in the top of it, there are two, excuse me, three types of assessments. I'm gonna deal with number two, which it deals with the measures of efficiency, including cost per unit, of output or the units of service per full-time equivalent employee. This is a critical aspect of the CSE, and it's also important for the citizens of San Francisco to understand um, how the $12 billion annual budget is being spent. So, you know, are we getting more units of output, or is it costing more to develop or produce each unit of output? That's really an important um, part of open government and it's not being addressed. There also are nine specific service areas identified in section F101A, where the CSA is required to collect data and conduct comparisons. I think if you look through the list of nine areas and you look at the reports that have been issued this year, you'll find there's major deficiencies. Uh, in conclusion, I think it's very important, as one of the agenda items is to review the annual report. 
that there is a more complete disclosure in the annual report as to what was done and what was not done. When I looked at the annual report, it's really a, a statement of what you did versus what you should have done. Thank you. Next public comment. I also have a handout and uh, copies of a longer excerpt. I can go ahead while you're reading that to save time. My name is Kermit Kubitz. I'm a resident of the Sherwood Forest neighborhood, which is kind of edge of west of Twin Peaks. My comments are about uh, the emergency uh, response funding bond program. The Citizens Bond Oversight Committee must ask for additional information on ESER bond spending, planning, and prioritization. Rather than spending additional funds on office buildings for lower priority services like traffic, forensics, or medical examiner offices, the city of San Francisco must focus on earthquake preparation, specifically the auxiliary water supply system and the emergency firefighting water system. Uh, you may be aware or you may not be aware the San Francisco Civil Grand Jury manned by citizens like this gentleman here, issued a 114-page report on July 17th entitled, Act Now Before It Is Too Late, Aggressively Expand and Enhance Our Emergency Firefighting Water System. This report is not mentioned in the ESER presentation before you, and so I think it's important <coughs> to bring it to your attention. It raises uh, several questions for me. First. Do the city government, mayor, and board of supervisors and ESER management agree with the analysis in the grand jury July 17th report? I believe a response is due in 90 days. Second, how does ESER work described in the 2010 and 2014 bond reports fill weaknesses in firefighting, i.e. coverage of the city by adequate water supplies in the event of a nearby earthquake? Third, just as funds have been reallocated for cost or scope increases in some ESER projects, should lower priority office projects be delayed to accelerate firefighting water supplies and equipment? Fourth, can San Francisco take interim measures such as portable water systems to fill gaps in water firefighting systems and should ESER funding or other funding be prioritized to provide such interim measures? And fifth, can reports on ESER planning, projects, and prioritization provide mapping data to show coverage or lack of coverage of San Francisco neighborhoods rather than merely tabulation of budgets and expenditures? It is the result, that is, an adequate firefighting water supply, 
not just a list of projects that needs to be monitored for progress. And if you can switch to the computer just to show, this is a table from the grand jury report that shows which areas of the city have high reliability and which have low reliability. And as you can see, the Sunset has low reliability. Bayview, Hunters Point have low reliability. Only the financial district has adequate reliability. That's my comment. Uh, Kermit Kubitz, K-U-B-I-T-Z. Thank you. Is there any other public comment? From ESER management, I have copies. See, no other public comment. Can you call number three? <clears throat> Item number three, election of chair and vice chair. So we did do this last month, or last meeting, if that feels like we just actually elected. Um, we have to do it at the beginning of every uh, fiscal year. So this is our first meeting in the first fiscal year. Are there any nominations for chair and vice chair? Is that how that works? <clears throat> Thank you, Ken Rue, Deputy City Attorney through the chair. That's, that's the process. I think what we've done in the past is we start with the election of the chair. We have a discussion. Out of the discussion, we have a motion. Before we vote on the motion, however, uh, we need to have public comment, of course. Then we take the vote. If that fails, we repeat the process until somebody actually becomes chair. Once we have a chair elected, then we simply repeat the process for the vice chair. I'd like to nominate Kristen Chu to be um, chair of this committee. Second. Is there any comments? Can we uh, take public comment? Seeing none, can we vote? Uh, yes. So I just read the names down again. Okay. Um, chair Chu? Aye. Member Larkin? <laughs> what this is a strong word? Okay. Okay. Uh, Member McHugh. Yes. Member Mc McNulty. Yes. Member Natoli. Yes. Member Patoha. Aye. Vice Chair Post. Yes. Great. Are there? Any I cannot vote. Yeah, he can't vote. Um. Member Mills hasn't been sworn in yet, so he's not voting today. Uh, are there any nominations for vice chair? I will nominate Lauren Post for vice chair. I will second. Any um, comments from the members about vice chair? Any? Oh, we, are, we already got a nominee. You already got something on the table. Uh, is there any public comment on vice chair? Seeing none, can you call the vote? Yep. Chair Chu? Aye. Member Larkin? Yes. Member McHugh? Yes. Member McNulty? Aye. Member Natoli? Aye. Member Patoha? Aye. Vice Chair Post? Yes. Great. Thank you. Can you call the number four, please? Item number four, approval with possible modification of the minutes of the May 20th, 2019 meeting. Do any of the members have comments? 
Do we'll move to approve the minutes. Second. Is there any public comment on the minutes? Great. Move on to item number five. I think we need to vote on it, but can we just do one big vote instead of one by one? I'm sorry, can you repeat that question? I think we need to vote on the approval of the minutes. Yes, we do. But how do you do it without calling it. roll call? Can you just say? You can do a roll call. You can just say any objections. That's fine. Okay. We just want to have a record of it. Okay. Any objections? Great. Great. Moving on to item number five, presentation from various departments regarding the 2008 San Francisco General Hospital Bond and 2016 Public <coughs> Health and Safety Bond and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation. Good morning, um, Madam Chair, members of the CE Goldbach Committee. Uh, my name is Joe Chin, uh, Public Works uh, Program Manager for the Public Health and Safety Bond Program. Um, my last presentation to the uh, CE Goldbach was back in January uh, 2019. Uh, so, uh, just, so before we, I move into the presentation this morning, I just want to kind of spend a moment to uh, acknowledge the rest of my uh, the public works project management team that's here today, uh, as well as members of the client department representatives that are here as well uh, in support of the uh, bond program and to uh, help answer any questions that I may not be able to answer this morning. Um, so they're, they're here. I, I see members of the uh, Department of Public Health, uh, Homelessness and Support Housing, uh, as well as the Fire Department. So they're all here. I won't go through individual names, but uh, uh, we do have representatives from the three client departments. So now uh, moving to uh, slide number two. Uh, for uh, This is uh, for those members that have been, uh, we're here back in January or maybe have seen the uh, report, the last uh, quarterly report that was published by the Public Works for this bond program. Uh, I believe it was back in May. So, but I'll quickly go through the bond pro program for those that are not familiar with the public health and safety bond program. Uh, this is a uh, slide that maps out the uh, bond authorization for the entire public health and safety bond program. Uh, it provides uh, the total amount for this bond is 350 million and provides funding for three client departments. Uh, the lion's share of this, depart uh, of this bond is for the Department of Public Health at 272 million, also provides uh, 58 million uh, allocated to the fire department, and then 20 million for the Department of Homelessness and Support Housing. And to just kind of quickly walk through the graph, uh, the red colored bar, you can tell from the slide, uh, maps out the allocation by bond component, and also the uh, orange is the allocation by bond sale, and then the yellow is the, uh, so the orange is the first bond sale and then the yellow is the second bond sale. So for this bond program, we've completed two bond sales to date. Uh, first bond sale was 176 million uh, and then the second bond sale was 52.5 million. And then uh, moving on to slide three. Uh, I think in, in general from, from Public Works perspective, we've, uh, the 
Projects have been doing well uh, from all components. The bond program covers six bond components, and we've been uh, making uh, great advances uh, from starting from programming phase to design and moving to construction. So let me just uh, focus um, quickly on the first section, which is highlights and accomplishments. Uh, there'll be more deeper dive into each bond component as we move through the slide deck, but for now, let me just kind of give you a high-level view of where we are currently. Uh, so one of the uh, largest bond component is the Zuckerberg Building 5 component. Uh, we've always been tracking 19 core projects, and of the 19, uh, there's 16 that are active. So kind of roughly you have one project that's been, that's been completed. There's four projects that are currently in construction, uh, two that are in plan approval, one in design, and five other projects that are currently in the programming phase. Under the uh, community health center, uh, we're tracking four projects. One project has been completed. Uh, there's one project in construction and two others that are currently in plan review. And then just to kind of quickly talk about uh, ambulance, wave, ambulance deployment facility, uh, this project uh, is, uh, is a great success where we've uh, start, we issued the uh, notice to proceed to contractor early part of, uh, 20, later part of 2018. And as of July, uh, we already started steel erection uh, for the facility. So it's uh, way into construction. And then uh, in one of the first projects that, um, that have, we've now completed for the, hom the homelessness and support housing component uh, is 440 Turk Street. That was uh, substantially completed uh, in July of 31st. And then uh, milestones, uh, pretty much we are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, just tracking the projects to quickly move these projects from design into construction so it's possible. It's obviously related to uh, risks, that, the adverse bidding environment that are faced by all projects across this bond component of this bond program as well as other bond programs managed uh, by Public Works or other uh, uh, city departments. And then uh, and just to quickly talk about Southeast Health Center, and uh, Castro Mission, those two projects, kind of our upcoming milestone is really to finish our design. Uh, we're currently in the permitting phase and then we'll uh, hopefully look to starting construction by early part of 2020. Um, and then section three of this slide, the bond sales and appropriation. I mentioned earlier that there's uh, two bond sales to date for this program. Uh, first bond sale was completed in March 2017. Uh, second bond sale was completed in June of 2018. And at this point, we're currently targeting our third and final bond sale uh, for early part of 2020. And then section four, uh, just risk issues or concerns on budget, scope, or schedule. Uh, the risk and issues continues to be the same uh, since we started this bond program. You know, once again, it's uh, not knowing uh, what the bidding environment is. We've looked at uh, a lot of different projects. Um, across this uh, program as others, uh, just a very challenging uh, bidding environment. Uh, we, you know, however, we do see, seems to be some lightening up of, of um, contracts being let out. So that could be a good sign, you know, that's, that's coming, that's forthcoming. Okay, and then moving on to slide four. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the next few slides is kind of a highlight of each of the bond component. There's six components that are being tracked under this uh, bond program. Uh, there's definitely a lot more details and photos of each project that's part of the bond component uh, that's part of the quarterly report that, that was issued as part of the slide deck. So, 
you know, if there's any questions on that, I can uh, talk about that at the end of this presentation under the Q&A. Uh, but moving to Zuckerberg, uh, General Hospital Building 5, uh, budget uh, remains pretty much the same as $222 million uh, for this bond component. Uh, current expenditures and encumbrances is about $46 million, uh, which accounts for about 42% of the uh, uh, first bond sale amount. Uh, and then in terms of accomplishments, uh, IT infrastructure is 4E search space. Are, are two projects are currently going through Oshpod uh, plan review. And uh, Oshpod, for those that are not familiar, is the uh, authority having jurisdiction for health or hospitals in general. All the projects that we're currently um, delivering as part of Building 5 is under Oshpod, not the local jurisdiction, which is Department of Building Inspection. There's a state agency that has jurisdiction over uh, acute care type facilities. Uh, and then uh, Family Health Center is uh, one of our latest projects that we've completed programming. Uh, we're uh, just wrapped up our schematic design and we are currently uh, moving into uh, the design process. And then just quickly on uh, seismic upgrade phase one, what I call limited scope. Uh, this is uh, the beginning of, of uh, our first uh, attempt to to perfect some of our logistics and phasing planning uh, for seismic, basically retrofitting the existing hospital um, um, after the new hospital was completed. Uh, so we are, are by 95% complete under phase one, and that accounts for about 30 locations out of 206 locations. And we're learning a lot just from understanding uh, the messaging, how do we make sure we minimize impact to clinical uh, services while we do uh, this very important work. And then uh, and just to talk about milestone quickly, 6H, search space, re rehabilitation department, um, seismic upgrade, those three projects are, are uh, the one, the lar few larger ones in construction. And for 6H search space and rehabilitation department, uh, we're looking to complete uh, construction by the end of the year and early part of 2020. Uh, and then uh, kind of another key activity that we're uh, looking at is this, uh, what I call a uh, request for proposal for a CMGC contract. Uh, this is the method that, that we've uh, worked on with the client department to uh, be the most efficient way to deliver multiple projects under one contractor for many of the uh, Building 5 projects uh, in, this, uh, in this program or in this bond component. Okay. And then just moving on to the uh, Southeast Health Center um, component. Uh, this project or this component comprises of two phases, phase one and phase two. Uh, phase one was completed in 2017, uh, which included renovation in the uh, existing facility, uh, renovating the dental clinic as well as the lobby area. And right now the team is really focused on phase two, which is uh, building a new 22,000 square feet uh, health center adjacent to existing and currently we're, we're tracking uh, design documents that have been submitted to initiate plan review uh, for this project, as well as we also received uh, civic design review uh, phase three uh, back in July, which then allows the project to uh, segue into uh, the next phase, which is start uh, construction bidding. So we're, we're tracking for that to happen uh, next month. Uh, so that's our current schedule which will then allow construction to start uh, early part of 2020. Okay. And then uh, moving to the uh, community health center component, 
Uh, there's uh, primarily uh, one scope that's uh, two locations that we're uh, focused on under this component uh, is the Maxine Hall Health Center located in District 5 and Castro Mission Health Center, which is located in District 8. Uh, so both projects have very similar scope. Uh, we're uh, embarking on a voluntary seismic upgrade uh, to improve seismic performance, as well as to uh, perform major interior renovation uh, for both facilities. Uh, Maxine Hall is a health center slightly ahead of Castro Mission. We've uh, awarded a contract. Uh, we've uh, issued NTP for this project uh, in July. And at this point, what's uh, and construction in the facility itself will start uh, pending the uh, relocation of the clinic into a, a temporary uh, clinical facility that's been uh, that's currently being set up at an off-site location, uh, less than a mile away. It's at the L Hill Hutch uh, Community Center. Uh, so that's currently what we're tracking for Maxine. Um, the uh, move out move out date for Maxine Hall is uh, currently in October uh, into the temporary facility um, and the uh, clinic will remain there for the whole duration of the construction phase okay and then cash remission um, just quickly on that uh, we've uh, are finishing up design uh, and we've had to push out the bidding date uh, due to some added uh, um, mechanical improvements and air conditioning scope that's been added to this project. So at this point, we're looking at starting bidding uh, by the end of the year and, and starting construction by uh, early part of uh, 2020. <clears throat> and then uh, moving to ambulance deployment facility component. Uh, this is uh, one project, one big project. Uh, it's uh, uh, constructing a new uh, uh, um, uh, deployment facility for the EMS section of the fire department. Uh, as mentioned, NTP was issued in October 22nd of 2018, uh, and then steel erection started in July, and I'm happy to report that uh, early part of, of August, uh, actually just a few weeks ago, uh, we've completed the steel erection. As a matter of fact, we've had a, a very uh, nice and informal uh, steel topping off ceremony with uh, the client department and the contractor. Uh, so this project is well underway. Uh, with a, uh, and at this point, there's, uh, we are on target to complete the project uh, by winter of 2020. Uh, there are some photos at the bottom of the slide deck to uh, highlight some of the steel that's uh, being installed or has been completed now um, as of today. Um, moving to the neighborhood fire station uh, component. Uh, under this component, uh, we're tracking two primary scopes of work. Uh, the main one is the host tower removal project. Uh, and I'm wondering why is that a seismic project? Uh, there's been an assessment done that the host tower that are currently at six remaining fire stations uh, will create a seismic vulnerability in the event of a major event. So the, the project scope is to remove that host tower. And then the other scope is uh, replacing the existing emergency generator um, at three, location, uh, three fire station locations. Um, so this, uh, the host tower projects, uh, we've, we've, uh, have been very challenged and, uh, on one, uh, CEQA entitlement issue. So I'm happy to report that after a very long and arduous process, after almost a two-year process, we've received a category exemption approval from San Francisco Planning Department, which then allows the project to move from design into permitting and construction. So at this point, 
uh, we're, we're tracking to have construction commence for these projects probably by mid-2020. Uh, and on the generator replacement, uh, there's three locations that are being uh, targeted uh, for generator replacement. They're at Fire Station 183744, uh, and uh, those are currently in design permitting uh, with construction also to start um, by, uh, by uh, middle of 2020. And then last but not least, uh, on the uh, homeless service sites, uh, we are uh, targeting or tracking three scopes under this component. 440 Turk Street uh, renovation uh, is one of the larger projects where we are uh, um, uh, building out a new uh, administrative office as well as a client access point for uh, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Uh, there's also the three uh, city-owned shelters that we're improving. And the last is the 106468 mission, uh, which is a, a, a collaborative project among three departments. Uh, there's the Mayor's Office of Housing Community Development, the Department of Public Health, as well as the HSH uh, departments. Um, so uh, I mentioned 440 Turk Street uh, was uh, completed uh, July 31st. And then at this point, we are tracking uh, the HSH group to move into this facility, this renovated facility uh, by mid to end of September uh, this year. Uh, and then we are starting to uh, uh, start uh, does, um, construction work or at least getting cost proposals for one of the city-owned shelters. Uh, that's at 260 Golden Gate, also known as a Hamilton Adult Shelter. And uh, we're anticipating constructing construction by by uh, Q3 or Q4 of 2019. Okay, um, and then moving on to the, the last uh, uh, slide, which is slide 10. Um, I won't go through all the lines and numbers here. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, this is a, uh, what we've shown before, a summary of all uh, expenditures, encumbrances for all six bond components um, across the board. Uh, it shows uh, percentages and what's been spent uh, to date compared to the bond appropriation as well as to the original bond budget. Uh, so at this point, that concludes my uh, formal presentation uh, to this morning. So uh, myself and my team is uh, available here to answer any questions you may have. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so I am the liaison for this uh, bond. Um, and I uh, met with uh, Joe uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, um, regarding this. Um, before I go into my report, um, uh, if it's not completely clear, the Department of Public Works is uh, working on behalf of three departments. So they've got client departments. Um, and so I wanted to um, take an opportunity for to ask the client departments if they have any issues or concerns um, that they would like um, us to be aware of. Um, or, and in general, are there expectations being met? Um, and I believe we have um, members of the fire department, homelessness, and um, Department of Public Health. So we're here to listen. Um, any anything you'd like us to know? Uh, DPH, you want to? Uh, good morning. My name is Kathy Jung. I'm the director of facilities and capital planning for the Department of Public Health. And I just want to say that we're actually quite excited that after many years of planning, we have three community clinics of our health centers going into construction by early next year. These are very, very uh, once-in-a-generation type projects. 
We've worked very hard from our staff, from DPH, clinic staff, hand in hand, in collaboration with the Public Works team. So we like to thank them for all their efforts and just look forward to getting these done and being able to move back in. Great, thank you. I'm Terry Saltz from uh, Department of Public Health, uh, Zuckerberg uh, Capital Planning. Um, we have a lot of activity, as you can tell from the report uh, on our campus. It's going to be uh, transformational. Um, the seismic project is going to be uh, impacting, as Joe said, there's 206 touch points in the, uh, in the building, but they usually add a column, which impacts two rooms. So it's usually it's, it's sandwiched between two rooms. So there's a lot, there's like 400 uh, uh, changes or, or, or um, uh, relocations that we have to do, enabling efforts. Um, so there's a lot of risk that's involved with that effort. And uh, we spent a lot of time with uh, Joe's team um, and our team working collaboratively, and I think it's been going very well uh, in, in identifying these risks, and we've been very successful in mitigating some large ones. So I think it's gone very well, and I want to thank Joe for his efforts. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lindsay Haddix with the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Um, like my, the people that have come up to the podium before me, just really want to thank Joe and the Part Department of Public Works for their collaboration on getting these projects up and running. Um, 440 Turk has just completed construction, and the department is looking forward to moving later this summer. Um, it's turned out better than I could have hoped, um, given some of the challenges that we had with the existing building, and HSH is really excited to be all under one, uh, one roof together for the first time in our, our uh, department's short history. Um, in terms of uh, 1064 mission, as Joe mentioned, it's a complicated project involving uh, MoCD and uh, Department of Public Health um, along with HSH, uh, but it's been a smooth planning process and looking forward to starting construction on that next year. And in terms of the three city-owned projects, uh, city-owned shelters that are going to start construction shortly, um, that's really been uh, HSH's homework to prioritize uh, which scope items to get started with first. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, starting work at Hamilton uh, shortly, hopefully in the next month or two. Um, so again, I want to thank Joe and his team for their collaboration on uh, our portfolio. Good morning, my name is Dawn DeWitt. I am the new Assistant Deputy Chief of the San Francisco Fire Department S Support Services Division. I'm replacing Tony Rivera, who retired last week, so I just wanted to introduce myself. I've been on the job a little more than three weeks now, and I, I just wanna add that I am really impressed by the level of uh, collaboration, organization, and attention to detail I'm experiencing in working with the both the Focus Scope Bond um, team for the, um, and the deployment, the ambulance deployment facility team too. I'm, I'm just really impressed with the level of care that they're taking, the, the organization that they exhibit, and I, I couldn't be happier with what I've seen so far. It's really impressive, so. Great. Thank you. I appreciate um, you guys being here and, and, uh, and your comments. 
Um, as the liaison, uh, I, I, this has been in front of us, I think, twice before, and each time I, I will tell you that I find this, this bond extremely difficult to govern. Um, when you think about whether it's on time and on budget um, with so many different projects um, and such a fluid um, envir contracting environment um, and decision-making process um, from our client departments, um, it's overwhelming. Um, so I think it's fantastic to hear that the client departments are getting, are, are getting what they want. Um, one of the things that also makes me um, more comfortable about that is that I know that, that there are commissions behind this. The fire department has their own commission, and so there are people watching this um, besides us. Um, uh, it's hard to govern because the bond was written that way when it went to the, when it went to the ballot. Um, it's not um, DPW is trying to, to make it more complicated than it is. Um, uh, so a couple of things to point out. Um, there is a uh, audit, a financial audit, that will be presented to us uh, in our January meeting. Um, so we'll get to look at that also. Um, and uh, in our debt calendar, um, it looks like, a, as you mentioned, a, another bond issuance, um, probably about um, $126 million. So it's a big bond issuance um, expected in the spring. So we'll, we will hear again um, from the audit um, group about um, some of the financial responsibility associated with this bond um, and uh, uh, before the before the debt, is, debt, debt issuance. Um, so that's um, so I'm uh, overall I'm very comfortable with the status of, of where this bond is at. Do does anybody have any questions for DPW or the client departments? Please. Actually it's about this is a little bit of history Joe uh, the 2008 SFGH bond um, some months ago, I spoke to uh, the attorney in the city attorney's office, Elaine O'Neill, and she said that the, the subcontractor pass-through claim that had gone to the, G, the GC had been settled, but it wasn't quite official yet, um, and I haven't spoken to her since. Are you aware did, this, did the thing settle officially? And can you give us a little backstory about about this, this issue. <laughs> uh, sure. So uh, thank you, uh, Member Larkin, uh, for the question. Yes, this is uh, regarding the 2008 uh, SFGH improvement bond. Uh, this is the bond that was passed to uh, construct a new hospital on campus. Uh, what uh, Mr. Larkin was alluding to and, and, uh, and uh, Chair Chu mentioned is there, there was, a, as the project was completed, there was an ongoing litigation that was, um, um, I guess, uh, uh, that the city got involved with. It started with a uh, litigation between WebCore Builder, uh, which is the general contractor. Um, it was an litiga ongoing litigation between one of their subcontractors uh, by name of KHSNS. They were the drywall framing contractor. Uh, they had uh, filed a lawsuit against WebCore, and then WebCore then pulled the city into litigation. So. Uh, so it was a cross-complaint uh, against the city and county of San Francisco. Uh, so yes, so s since then, uh, there, the settlement has been uh, completed, finalized, I believe. It has also been signed off by uh, the Board of Supervisors. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so as of now, the, litig the, litig the litigation between WebCore, the city, and KGS has been resolved. Uh, but there is still an, a follow-up to that piece of it. Um, so, uh, just because of, of the fact that it's under litigation, I, I don't want to, um, we could maybe speak offline about this. Sure. Mr. Larkin, do you want to talk more about it? But there is uh, an, a follow-up litigation piece as to ongoing 
where the, the city has filed a, uh, a lawsuit against the um, designer of record. Oh. Okay. I'll check in with you later, Joe. Okay. Sure. Any other uh, comments, questions, please? Yeah, I have a question on you. So you mentioned about uh, one general contractor and five projects. Did you say uh, lean contract bidding? What was, I didn't hear the term you used oh, for sure. how to manage that. Could you explain that to me? Yeah. So um, the contracting mechanism that we're using is called CMGC. It stands for uh, construction manager, general contractor. So what we do is a two-step process that's allowed by the chapter six of the San Francisco Administrative Code, uh, where we go through RFQ. Q, meaning a qualification to pre-qualify various general contractors that can work with our design team, work with our client department to really uh, um, perfect the, um, the phasing, logistics. So we've gone through the RFQ where we've shortlisted four contractors. Um, so the next phase after the RFQ is to now do a request for proposal. So that's based on both a cost criteria and a non-cost criteria. So, and uh, that's currently targeted to be issued uh, in the next uh, month or so uh, with a goal to have a, a contractor selected by the end of the year and then have NTP uh, for this contract by early part of 2020. Thank you. So, so just so I understand, I'm, I'm clear on it. So you're still looking for one general contractor to, to manage five projects uh, or multiple general contractors? Uh, so we are uh, looking for one general contractor, and how we would um, deliver the projects would be the general contractor would be responsible for doing what we call uh, bid packages or trade packages where they would reach out. Likewise, similar process, we would pre-qualify subcontract or general contractors. They would do the same thing to pre-qualify subcontractors to make sure we have the right uh, contract at the table, submitting a competitive bid on defined scope for each of the projects. Excellent, thank you. Okay, thank you. I have a question. Um, uh, thank you, Mr. Chin, and I'm pleased to hear that uh, the way you've uh, done your presentation gave us the over overall, and um, Chair Chu asked your client departments to come up and express their satisfaction or lack thereof, so I'm, I'm glad to see that format. And I suppose in the future, when we have this type of arrangement, this is a good way to present it. Uh, my, my question is, specifically is that as I started reviewing um, your presentation, um, on every single page, I can't help but notice that there is a very important footnote relating to the financials. And I'll read it for <clears throat> the record. Uh, please note the data reflects only bond sale expenditures and encumbrances and does not reflect other funding sources. PeopleSoft financials data as, is as of June 30th, 2019, subject to revision based on public works labor and non-labor cleanup effort. Um, as I was reading this, um, I was thinking to some other commentary that has been made uh, regarding still the lack of reliability of the new financial system. And as a user and a reporter, can you help explain to us your level of comfort when you report these numbers relating to their reliability and integrity? What concerns me are the words subject to revision. Uh, 
that means that they're subject to revisions, so how much competence should we place on these numbers, especially relating to the expenditures, which is the main oversight responsibility of this committee? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, thank you for the question. Um, I'll, I'll do the best I can to uh, address the concern. Uh, as, as everyone knows, the city transitioned uh, from a very uh, uh, older system, famous uh, about two years ago, uh, to this PeopleSoft platform. Uh, the uh, reconciliation is ongoing, um, as, uh, as uh, Chair uh, Ms. Chu mentioned. Uh, we are going through a uh, audit through CSA. So, in terms of in terms of what questions may come up through the audit, I, I think those will provide some um, substance and uh, uh, comfort level in terms of how accurate the expenditures are. Uh, but it, it is an ongoing process where we are working closely with our uh, our um, CFO within Public Works to really understand uh, where some of the uh, costs may need to be adjusted. So we are definitely much improved from two years ago where I think we had a I think we've had this note and probably the same for all bond programs where it's not 100% accurate, but at the same time, the numbers are getting much, much closer to, um, to having a, uh, a, a set number. Um. Can you also can you share with us a little bit more the terminology of cleanup? Are there is every single program subject to cleanup, or are there some programs that you report on for whatever reason are undergoing a cleanup? I mention this because this terminology has been used. Um, to question how far along um, the um, the testing, if you will, or the, the the fixing of our financial reporting system is, and since DPW is by far the largest department, having the most numbers to actually report, um, I'm I'm bringing these questions because um, we wanted you to share how comfortable you as project managers and program managers are in looking at the numbers reported from below and aggregating it to report it to the public and ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, what I'll say is the, um, you know, I, I'm, I myself am not the expert in the financial system. Uh, next time uh, we can uh, have our deputy director of finance that, and she can definitely, her name is Julia Dawson, and she can definitely provide a more uh, in-depth analysis of, of kind of where we are. And, and the term you referred to or I use, which is cleanup, uh, it refers to uh, us um, going into each project uh, and trying to assess, uh, I think some of the uh, labor side is where there's been ongoing effort to true up some of the overhead that may or may not be captured in some of the labor expenditures. The contract side is fairly uh, straightforward, um, so that's, that's really not the issue. It's really on the labor, in-house labor expenditures is where we're still working through with the, with the accountants just to make sure it captures uh, all the necessary costs uh, when there's labor expended. 
I think that's a good idea uh, because um, this committee, um, whether officially or unofficially, we have been receiving comments from the general public uh, relating to the, um, the soundness and the reliability of our financial system. And since DPW is by far one of the largest departments, perhaps we should use your department and your experience um, that's shared by your CFOs to get let to keep us, this committee, up to date as to the process of the cleanup on the audits. So I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I agree. Thank you for bringing this up. Um, I, I, we are going to talk about our work plan, and I do see some possible availability in our October meeting. Um, and so can, can we get back to you on that? And maybe Peg can help us figure out the right um, scope of an agenda item. Sure. And just to add a comment, um, again, for those of you who haven't been part of the conversations here in the past couple of years, so after the go-live of the new PeopleSoft financials, there was a long period of time where um, reporting was not reliable, and that particularly affected capital funds. And projects had to be looked at to be sure that the appropriation dollar value and past expenditures and um, several other fields had been properly brought over from the legacy system so that they could be accurately reported. And it took a long time to get that sorted out. And that's part of the reason why our annual general obligation bond report, which is part of your product as well, was an 18-month report running from January 2017 all the way through June 2018. Um, so that phase went on for a while. I think that is largely resolved. There are probably still always a few outstanding issues, but the underlying legacy data and expenditures all brought over from famous system, I think, now are reliable. Secondly, there's a timing issue, and I think that's probably more what the footnote in the current um, presentation refers to, where it usually takes at least a couple of quarters to make sure that all expenditures are properly reported, allocated to the right project, the labor distribution that gets done by public works, again, allocated to the right project. That's why we don't typically issue the CAFRA report until November is good on a fiscal year that closes June 30th. And so you have both things going on, and I think in this case it's probably more the timing issue that by the time they generated this report, all the entries for the quarter ending June 30th hadn't been completed. So again, these numbers all get better with more time, but I just wanted to remind people that there's those two different issues that have been affecting um, the reports. Thank you, Peg. Uh, from, a, from a very common sense kind of viewpoint, uh, we would appreciate if you keep this committee updated. I think at some point we realize that the, the transition of the new system is, is mostly at fault. But I think that this committee would like, to, at some point, um, to be able to see this footnote removed. And, and please keep us updated as to the, the, the possible timing, because um, I get very nervous when I read financials with a disclaimer. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions, members? Thank you, Jeff. Any public comment? Good morning. My name is Jerry Drattler. Uh, regarding the public health and safety bond, I think the presentation change or format change to include the project sponsors. 
is very positive, and I also commend C. Goldbach for calling out the lack of reliability in the data from the new financial system. Uh, one suggestion I would make is that C. Goldbach meet with the CSA audit team to determine if the audit scope of work, the work that's being done, addresses your concerns about data integrity, and if it doesn't, um, I would suggest you ask for additional audit procedures to specifically address your concerns. Um, secondly, reporting financial data that's two quarters or half a year old with as many moving parts in this project is a pretty serious weakness that needs to be addressed. In terms of more general concerns, nice report, many pretty pictures, but not much bond expenditure oversight information. I thought C. Gobach determined all bond expenditure presentations should include detailed project change reporting. I don't see any project change reporting here. And change orders. You know, there are four different kinds of change orders, and change orders are a key indicator of a problem with a project. You don't need to wait to the end of the project to find out you got a significant cost on overruns. When you look at the number, the type, and the frequency of change orders, that's a key barometer of where this thing's going. So addressing the types of change orders, you know, when the, there's a change in scope, that's pretty serious, and the contractor needs to renegotiate the contract to get paid for it, you need to know about it. Also, if there are unforeseen building condition change orders, you need to know about it. You know, I think most importantly, the citizens of San Francisco who approved this $350 million bond need that information as well. So I'm disappointed. A lot of effort went into the report, but it's, you know, it's um, pretty. Thank you. Thank you. Any additional public comment? Can you call the next item? Item number six, liaison report on the 2011 road repaving and street safety bond and 2014 transportation and road improvement bond and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation. Ryan, I hate to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I'm kind of looking for presentation from staff. Do you want, or do you want me to go with the liaison report? I think we were just doing the liaison report this time. Okay. We awesome. Do that. Thank you. All right. Um, I am the liaison for the this. Pardon me for the second of these two contracts, two bonds, 2014 Transportation Road Improvement Bond, assisted capably by Brenda. We met with SFMTA staff on the 7th of this month to review the status and we got a, I guess a preliminary or a preview of what the report that is in your package would be. Um, I will say generally that they are in their third bond issuance now and in deference to some of the um, availability of contractors to do work now, the issue that we heard about on the, from the previous bond report is affecting them too, and what they, 
MTA are doing is trying to space out their their bids, putting their contracts out to bids so as to not be affected so adversely by the lack of available, available contractors. Um, one of the problem of this nature manifested itself in the contract for the Geary Road improvements, um, pardon me, Geary pedestrian improvements where they got three bids, all of which were over the engineer's estimate. They regard that contract as being so important to pedestrian safety that they're going to go ahead and award it nonetheless, which as a person who lives on Geary and is of a certain age, I'm glad to hear they're going to do anyway. Um, there were several contracts that I wanted to ask questions about that I didn't get into the detail of until after I had read the report, but generally speaking, we heard that there are no pending major contractor claims on any of the work that they're doing. That's good. Um, some of the things that I read about in the detailed report here, the report that's in your package, look like they could be potential claims, but if they resolve the issues by the aforementioned by Jerry Drattler change order process, then it isn't a claim. If you settle it with a change order, it's not a claim, and that's the best way to do it. Well, um, in my previous question about the SFGH bond, there was a lawsuit, and there was a lot of legal talent involved in that at the commensurate cost. By settling something by a change order, all that is avoided. <clears throat> I, my background is construction management, and I take a particular interest in potential delay claims. A delay claim is where an owner, in this case the city of San Francisco, gets its project delivered late at a higher cost. The only benefit that they get for paying more to have it del delivered late is a chance to look at a bunch of guys standing around leaning on shovels on the city's dime. So that's, to me, important to avoid, and that's what I generally follow up on most specifically, most ardently. Um, again, it doesn't seem as though there are any Bad ones coming up, though, if the staffers were here, I would ask them a little bit more about um, a couple of contracts. Contract 64 in particular, where there's a right-of-way right issue at Mariposa in Pennsylvania. Um, at King Street, uh, substation work, work was suspended due to PG&E issues. This kind of thing is on the city's watch. The city will be responsible for paying for those delays. It may have been caused by PG&E in this instance, but the contractor won't know a thing about PG&E. All the contractor knows is what the city has. The city, its contract is with the city. So again, I'd, I'd like to find out what's going on there. Um, again, they, they Muni, are experiencing the same difficulties in getting bidders to respond to their request for bids and also um, getting reasonably priced bids. There were fires up in Sonoma County. It was all in all the papers last year and a lot of contractor work, trade work in particular, is going up there. So getting people, getting contractors to work and for those contractors to show up for work down here when they get more money up there is a continuing issue. Um, one of the contracts that in the report said, and this is on the 22 Fillmore East to Mission Bay extension, 
um, they need added funding to continue the contract or ultimately will need to complete the contract. And I, again, that's a question with which I'd like to follow up, on which I'd like to follow up with them. Um, I, let me just check my, my notes come, that I had coming in here. I think that's it. If um, questions. Chair, uh, there's two different um, bond program managers, and I'm not sure if any of the ones that you have questions about are the subject of the MTA bond, but I know that Mr. Lee from the MTA program is here. Um, public sorry, Public Works. Um, so th let me back up a step and say congratulations, Mr. Larkin. Um, you're the first deliverer of a liaison report in the format that we talked about for this fiscal year. So um, there's been a little bit of confusion about how to deliver this content, but I think, so the, our conversation when we were developing the work plan with you for the current fiscal year was that each bond program would appear before you twice in the year. Uh. Once you would have a formal report from the bond program managers of the type that was just given on the public health bonds. And then in the opposite six-month point in the calendar, you would have a liaison report of the type that Mr. Larkin just gave. And the advantage there would be the sort of forcing function of having the liaison have an opportunity to anticipate that item, set up a meeting with bond program managers, ask any questions that they had um, so that the content could be focused on things that are most of interest to GOBOC. There had been some concern that you'd get a, like a lot, a lot of, you know, um, detailed reports and, and pretty pictures, but not as much of a chance to focus on issues that are of concern to you. And so that was the hope with the liaison format. It's a test, and if it needs change um, according to the committee's um, desire of how they like to work, of course, we can do that. Um, I should have also reminded the um, MTA program manager that having that, that program manager appear, you know, during the um, agenda item would be a, an expectation so that any questions could be answered. Um, so sorry if that was my uh, miss, well, but that's my, my sort of expectation for how it would go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, there's a familiar looking guy over there. Yeah, I don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know all the personnel, so sorry about that. And before you go on, I'll just say, yeah, this is a misunderstanding then on my part that, this, that the new format was gonna not include as much a presentation as we had had before. And I'll say misunderstanding just to say it, to make it sound better than I just forgot. Yeah, it's you know, a I, again, you, you can change it. It's certainly your purview, no. but our, and our hope was that we'd have the opportunity for the liaison to you know, ask questions that are at the level of interest of the committee. Um, and again, sorry for my not knowing all the folks here, but okay. the bond program manager can and should be here for you. Yeah, well, again, the thing I would have done differently then is followed up with the staff before we came into this meeting. We did have this liaison meeting, but there were, that was some three weeks ago. We could have, I could have answered, got these questions answered with, by going to the staff, you know, out of, out of the venue that we're having here. So what I'll do then, if we can't get things answered by Ben, pardon me, is it not Ben, if, if we can't get them answered today, is follow up later and you know, at the next meeting, I'll just give a report on that. And it won't take more than a few minutes. We can put it under other business or new business or whatever. Okay. So. Before you're there to, um, uh, to answer some of the 
questions that was raised. Um, I was also at the meeting with uh, Brian Larkin, and I just wanted to supplement um, part of what we discussed. And um, on my on my concerns and um, going into the meeting, every time I meet with the MT, it tends to be more on the macro financial level. So I just wanted to share what I um, discussed with staff is that since they've, I was keying in on the two presentations, two, uh, two uh, tables that they had on page 13 and 14, which actually shows uh, the projects and the funds under the first issuance. Um, and on the, on the page next to it, uh, the, the second bond issuance. And my purpose also is to really probe staff is that I'm fairly comfortable and had them comment on the spend of the first, uh, the first issuance. Um, it's, it's pretty all gone. There's less than $2 million there, so they're pretty much uh, according to their plans on timeline to spend that down. And in the second issuance, um, they, they're almost halfway there, and we had some discussion on their expectation and how happy they are proceeding with a spend down because they are kind of really looking forward to a third issuance early next year. So that's the type of discussion I had, and, and uh, I, I walked away very comfortable that they have a pretty good handle on how they control their spend because prior to the second issuance, there was some discussion and concerns as to the pace of the spend after the first issuance. So I think they've addressed that, and I, I feel comfortable on the financial overall um, management. Um, they seem to be on top of things. I just want to supplement that. Thank you. So we're not looking for a presentation today. In the, okay. in the interest of time, I would like to take Brian up on his offer to um, ad address this between yeah. now and the next meeting. I'll follow up with you. Um, uh, but thank you guys for, for doing this um, uh, and for getting into the weeds on, on this one. Um, um, do any other members have any questions or comments? So, so the next liaison report, are you expecting to have the bond uh, manager have a presentation? Yeah, um, in, it's in our, uh, it's in the March time frame. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and so, but again, the, you would have two different types of um, events for each bond program. One would be a formal presentation of the type that you saw for public health, mm -hmm. and then one would be a liaison report with content of the type that came from Mr. Larkin and Ms. McNulty. And at that event, you can and should, if you would like to, have the bond program manager attend the meeting mm -hmm. so that they could answer any questions that came up or, or comment on your, on your meeting, but right. not a formal presentation. Right. Okay. right. So that formal presentation is um, in March. Um, and it also includes uh, a second bond, the um, uh, 2011 road repaving. Uh, which, if you if you look at this big long sheet in our packet, um, is actually been almost completely spent. There's only um, 10 million unspent out of 250 million. Um. Uh, could I just uh, have it on record because the item actually calls for a liaison report on that right. uh, road repaving bond um, and a housekeeping issue that um, there is currently no liaison on that Easter bond. That's why there's no yes, that's why, that's formal why liaison the, report. But I think that uh, uh, Chair Chu has, has indicated very 
you know, clearly that it's this is essentially um, spent, and I think that uh, it's it's safe to forego a liaison report, um, really pending a closeout procedure for this bond. That's what I was getting at. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Um, any other comments? Just a question for Peg. Um, the format will allow us then, after my follow-up, to clear up or, or close out the items that I brought up at our next meeting. Sure, we can add it to the other we'll, committee business. I think we'll add it to the next okay. agenda. I mean, yeah. like I, it shouldn't take more than 10 minutes. Yeah, we'll have it in mind. That'd be great. Thank you for doing that work. Awesome. Public comment? Good morning, my name is Jerry Durantler. I think the new presentation format is a very good idea. I suggest the second presentation format be more formalized with specific required content like change order reporting, current budget versus original budget, expected variance from original budget, and a statement by their liaison as to their level of comfort whether the project will remain on budget. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just so we have an agenda item um, that might be appropriate for Mr. Dratler's comments um, later on standardized templates. And so this would be, yeah, appropriate. Can you call the next item? Item seven, presentation from the city service auditor regarding the 2015 affordable housing bond expenditure audit report and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation. Good morning, uh, Chair, Vice Chair, Committee Members, Mark De La Rosa, Acting Director of Audits for the Controller's Office, uh, City Services Auditor Division. Uh, today we will give you a very quick uh, overview of the results of our audit of the 2015 Affordable Housing Bond. Uh, we specifically looked at the expenditures and ensuring that those bond funds are actually expended uh, per the uh, bond measure. I'm joined today by Simon Wadsworth from uh, Common Construction Management, uh, which is the firm that has been helping us um, in completing all these expenditure audits. Um, just very quickly give you a background. So we started this audit program back in 2015. Um, in 2016 was the first time that we actually completed um, one of the audits that we have before you. Um, so, so far we've completed eight. Uh, the 2015 Affordable Bond one is the, uh, the last one that we issued um, back in July. Um, as you know, this is a very focused audit. It's really a compliance audit to ensure that the bond funds that uh, we reviewed were actually uh, in compliance with the bond measure and that there were no administrative or um, overhead um, costs that were um, expended that are prohibited um, by the uh, bond measure. I'll actually turn it over now to uh, Simon, who will give you a very brief overview of who coming is, since this is the first time that uh, many of you um, are probably hearing from us, as well as the results of our audit. Good morning. I'm Simon Wasworth. I'm a director with Cumming. Um, as Mark mentioned, we've completed eight audits to date on the city for the city, um, and we are currently undergoing the public health and safety bond audit now as well. 
Um, similar um, bonds, we've uh, completed um, bond audits for the LA Community College District, LA Unified School District, Twin Rivers Unified School Districts, as well as numerous construction audits for uh, private owners and developers. We'll quickly move on. Um, so the audit scope, we looked at expenditures for the, for the program through June 30th, 2018. Um, the expenditures for bond sale one totaled 54.4 million. The total expenditures for bond sale two was 7.5 million for a total of 61.9 million um, that was expended against the bond. Um, we tested approximately 75% of that value, which was 46.3. Um, 42 million for bond sale one, which was 77%, and 4.3 million for bond sale uh, two, which was 57%. <clears throat> um, we looked at the, uh, the sample testing for two tests. Um, as Mark mentioned, we wanted to make sure that um, the first test covered that there was no government operating or overhead charges billed against the bond, and that also that the expenditures were covered, were, were under the legal setting of the bond. Um, we collected um, various documents to review, such as change orders, construction contracts, um, promissory notes, um, reimbursement requests from the MOHCD, and also below market rate review and analysis sheets, which references loans given and down payments assistance. In review of all the expenditures that we, that, that we got, 99% of it tested um, as approved and were in accordance with the bond measure. Um, we did find unauthorized expenditures of 269,504, which represented 0.58% of the expenditure. Um, this is broke, this, the 269 is broken down into two, two separate findings. Finding one being um, what we found as being overhead charges. Um, for example, there was 20,000 was spent on third party financial consultants that provided tax credit services. Um, 60,000 was spent on relocation expenses and 113,000 was spent on operating reserves. These were deemed overhead charges and were uh, agreed and reviewed with the city attorney. Uh, the second finding, totaling 75,615, was um, for uh, expenditures that were outside of the bond requirement. The bond was specific that there couldn't be any, uh, any expenditures before the 60 days. So these were expenditures that were prior to the September 4th cutoff date, 2015. <clears throat> these findings were reviewed um, with MOHCD and were agreed upon. Um, as a result, we came up with two recommendations. One, that MOHCD should establish trainings for program staff related to approval procedures on projects that have multiple funding sources. Um, and recommendation two is that MOHCD should establish pre-bond reimbursement guidelines for approval procedures. Um, MOCHD have committed to implementing these recommendations by October 31st, 2019. Just to uh, quickly note, uh, Benjamin McCloskey is here from the Amiris Office of Housing, uh, who um, is available to uh, answer any questions that you have. Um, just wanted to reiterate um, how uh, how much we are grateful and thankful for the for the department for their collaboration and cooperation uh, in providing us with the information. I know that part of of this is really the implementation of the recommendations, and I know that they have been working uh, diligently with their staff as well as with the city attorney in terms of uh, ensuring that they provide uh, the right tools for their project managers and staff uh, moving forward, given that we have other um, affordable housing uh, bonds um, before us. Um, 
As um, Simon mentioned, we are completing our 2016 um, public um, health um, uh, audit. Uh, hopefully we will have that in the next uh, couple of months so that it's ready for your uh, January uh, meeting. And we're available to answer any questions that you have. Questions? Uh, not really a question, just um, I'm the liaison. I just wanted to thank you for the work on this. Um, didn't have a ton of time to follow up on this, but did read through everything. I think these are sound recommendations. Uh, happy to see that um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of extreme findings and that MOHCD is uh, going to move forward with implementing the changes suggested. They seem sound and reasonable. So um, I, you know, I thought this was a good report that laid out um, you know, potential issues and what we can do about that. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for their work on that. I make a comment. Um, uh, thank you, Simon, for walking us through that. Um, I started my professional life as a public uh, accountant, so I may you know, understand some of your audit methodology, but I think it would be helpful if you could just explain a little bit to my fellow members um, in your audit methodolo uh, methodology. Uh, you tested 75%. Um, so, for example, uh, how could you discuss a little bit um, some of the uh, uh, some of the um, considerations uh, that you had in your mind before you decided on Y75 or not Y65? Is it a function of the fact that these have never been audited? Is it a function of the fact that of the dollar amount size? Um, I think it would be helpful to get an understanding of how you selected those statistics to be audited. Okay. Um, yep, so the 75% is something that we, we came up from the um, full download of expenditures that we, that we got. Um, we typically look through every one of those expenditures to see what is to, to see what those items are and what the descriptions are. That's how we come up with our sample. So if we if we see potential red flags in the description, that's our sample. We then review that sample with the uh, controller's office, which sets the which pretty much sets that seventy five percent. It's not a standard thing. It's some some projects we've done have been 90%. Some have been less than that. It just depends on the expenditures and what we see in the report. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled with this information and particularly at this level. Thank you. It's, it's really helpful. Um, and uh, and it, getting understanding the process better is, is actually really helpful. Um, but since you've got a wealth of experience at other institutions, um, can I ask a couple of questions about that? Um, what are common findings that you see at other in other bond programs in in other cities, or uh, and what what should we be looking for from a? So I think we've we've tailored this more to to what you're looking for. Um, I think the uh, the the overhead is always a key one that gets put through on the bonds, and that as you can see, that was the majority of the findings in this one. Um, so that's really kind of what we looked and focused on. Um, it's similar for other bonds. It's we see we see similar findings. And Can you explain what overhead is? Um, is there a definition? Sorry. Oh, no, certainly. Um, so we basically use the um, the definition that is in the um, the bond um, uh, language itself. So basically, anything that is. Um, um, that salaries for um, regular staff for the department that are um, overseeing the bond um, is part of the overhead. Um, that's um, and anything that is general um, administrative um, um, 
type of costs that are not necessarily or directly um, related to the administration of the bond. Uh, what we have found in completing um, eight um, audits so far is that uh, departments are very diligent in terms of ensuring that the folks that are actually working on those bond funds, or those bond programs are actually dedicated to them. So there's no um, mixing of, of the regular day-to-day -day operational stuff that departments are tasked with um, uh, on top of the ones that are specific to the bond. So that's generally how we defined it. Any other questions or comments? Thank you. Is there any public comment? Hi, I'm Jerry Durantler. I think it's um, it's laudable the progress Siegelbach has made in terms of retaining an outside firm to do bond expenditure audits. Uh, it's kind of sad since uh, Siegelbach's been around since, what, 2002, and we're finally getting to it. That's not very good. Um, it's very difficult for citizens to understand where bond funds are spent. I'd like to see the report include a summary of total bond costs broken down into what are called hard costs, and Commissioner Larkin can explain that, and soft costs, which are architects, consultants, project managements. And hard costs should be broken down to include change orders and other meaningful subcategories. As you can see from the bond expenditure audit, soft costs are an area for potential abuse as confirmed by the firm representative. And city departments uh, benefit when they're able to shift um, items out of their operating budget into the capital expenditure. So that requires a, a little higher level of oversight. Thank you. Great. Um, to Mr. Dratler's point, uh, this is our audit. And so if there's anything you'd like to see in this audit, please, at this time or in the future, just let us know. Can you call the next item? Item number eight, opportunity for committee members to comment or take action on any matters within the committee's jurisdiction. One, fiscal year 2019 to 2020 Siegel Work Initiatives. A, standardized template. B, expenditure audit. C, public finance upcoming bond issuance. D, public perception survey. Two, other committee business. A, Siegelbach Fiscal Year 2018 to 2019 Annual Report. B, Siegelbach Fiscal Year 2019 to 2020 Draft Work Plan. I am your staff person on these items, but before I speak, I, Chair Chu, did you want to set it up or comment, or should I just go ahead? Uh, I have some comments in, in, um, on the second two at the bottom. But um, I mean, the stand so standardized templates, I think that we've agreed that we're going to, this has been something we've been thinking about working on for a long time, we haven't. Um, and uh, Peg uh, is now going to staff someone on this from her, her department. And um, I'm happy to take that on. Um, if anybody else has any interest, please let me know. Um, and certainly we need to get the public um, included in, in that. But that's, that's where we're at with that one. Um, Okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the expenditures audit, we have the calendar 
that is in your work plan reflects when the audit department expects to issue the construction expenditures audit, the work that Cummings is doing. So we'll have them on your agenda as soon as they come available. Um, public finance upcoming bond issues. Um, for those of you who haven't met her, Anna Van Degna is here, who's the head of our Office of Public Finance. She provides a memo, which is something you've had in your last couple, with the forward debt calendar, and tells you what upcoming bond issuances are. So I'll just ask her to comment or see if you had any questions on that item. Thank you, Peg. Um, so we are currently working on a few uh, general obligation bond issues. The next two that we see coming in the, in the coming months here are um, the 2019 C bonds for clean and safe neighborhood parks in the amount of $3.1 million, and then about $93 million worth of um, bonds for affordable housing, the series 2019D. Um, after that, additional issuances that are planned are for um, the seawall and public health, and then um, potentially transportation as well following that. I'm happy to answer any questions on our schedule. Um, so what, when is, what generally is spring 2020? What uh, month? It's, uh, the exact schedule is still be TBD, but could be around March. Okay. My only concern with that is that you've got to, that we are not, our, in our March meeting, we're hearing about transportation road bonds, um, and in, theoretically in March, that they're going out for 150. So I'm not sure how to solve that. But um, uh, And do you think it'll happen? The, the road, it says TBD, so. Um, it, it is TBD. I don't know. The, Vishal Trivedi is here. could probably add additional um, color on the schedule, but we could certainly wait until after the March um, GOBOC meeting if that would make you feel more comfortable. Are you why, running why out of money? Kind of wait, why, why is that a con? Um, oh, good question. Um, so uh, our, um, the only thing that we can really do if a, if a bond is going off the rails is to stop a bond issuance. That it's, it's in see. our mandate, but I don't know if you can say that better than I can, but um, that's, so what I'd like to know before something is issued is if we feel comfortable mm -hmm. of where it is. I've got no concerns, mm -hmm. actually. I'm just trying to line it up so that we actually get as much information before it goes out. Um, and 150 million, as you can see with the other ones, is a lot. So uh, there must be something going, com upcoming that you need 150 million in one, in one issuance. Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we work with the, the project managers to, uh, to see what their expenditure needs are their, that they forecast. Uh, and uh, yeah, before we f finally size and uh, prepare the issuance of the bond, we, we have to make sure that they have a reasonable plan of expenditure for those funds within three years. Uh, that's our standard practice. Um, so you know, we also tend to try to group the bond sales together with multiple programs issuing. So for example, the, the upcoming sale that um, Director Van Degna mentioned was for both affordable housing and clean and safe neighborhood parks. And the goal is to, to group them together to minimize the cost of issuance to do one transaction and um, get multiple multiple programs sold. So uh, typically what, what, what I do is I'll reach out to the program managers when we, we know that there's a, a bond program that has needs that, that we need to issue bonds and we'll uh, try, try to see if there are other programs that also have needs. So the, the plan would be to to reach out um, and, and validate that. Okay, I'm just asking it's around I January get the process, or February. But what, what the actuals, do you, how much money do you have in the bank? 
So we we are still working on the schedule for the okay. spring. So what we do know is what's moving forward this fall, and we can report okay. back to you next meeting um, with the known schedule. Um, again, we will do that work, and um, but prior to our next go back. Okay, and you'll understand what they need money for. Yes. Oh, of course, certainly. But I think what you're asking is that the um, 2020 spring issues, perhaps if that works for when these programs need their funds, and if this works for Anna's public finance team, that those two issues be after our March meeting, so scheduled sale date late March, early April, something like that, if that doesn't unnecessarily delay right. when these programs need their funds. Yeah, exactly. The, the aim is to deliver the funds in time to not delay the projects, but also to yeah. generate enough time for oversight. So yeah, no, we'll, we'll uh, get a better sense uh, right. well ahead of time. Great. And I, I also see in our in our long sheet here that it looks like there's only $100 million that that could be issued or um, or I'm reading this wrong it's very small or uh, so this is the 2014 bond um, but it, that's okay we don't have to solve it in this meeting yeah that, that that's also an, an estimated amount um, we would you know refine the the issuance amount further based on the the projected expenditure schedule okay uh, that I that I'll, I'll tell you that's just a bookmarked amount that I assume would, would be needed okay uh, and so we'll, we'll vet that further. Okay, sounds good. Um, so that was item C, the upcoming bond issuances. Item D, public perception survey. Again, for a couple of new members, you might recall that during last fiscal year, we worked uh, with and for you on a public perception survey to test public knowledge of and approval for and impressions of um, two built bond projects, uh, one parks bond project and one street improvement bond project. And we had a lot of good learning out of that. Um, and I think it was a really positive experience uh, for you and for our team. And the conversation was to do another public perception survey of that uh, same type during fiscal year 1920. Um, I think at your last meeting or the one before you agreed that you would like to do that test on the housing subject, the housing bonds. Um, and the user population, the voter uh, population, the way that those bonds were pitched to the public is different than parks or streets. So what we're doing right now is taking some time to understand those dynamics of how those bonds were presented and think how, what type of uh, questions we'd be asking what user groups we would be testing, how do you test citizen um, and voter understanding of it, since it's not as, as strong a public perception probably as either a park or a street use. And so we're hoping um, if we can bring a choice to you before your next meeting, and I could do it through the liaison or through the chair, then we might do that. But if we um, at the latest, we would bring you options at your next meeting. So we would uh, choose a couple of pro built projects from the affordable housing bonds and bring them to you for discussion and choice about which one you'd like to survey on. And you could uh, discuss the merits of the different approaches and the choices at your next meeting. That's where I'd hope to be. And again, the way we do this is we write a, a scope of work. We issue it to a pool of uh, providers that we have who are experts in uh, public opinion testing and surveying of a couple of different kinds and let them respond to us, giving us their expertise with sample size, approach, what tools they would use. 
we develop a small contract, they do the work, they deliver us, we do help them with analyticals and a report. I, I would think that the the, uh, the youth population would track, um, based on the bond, the 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 three or four areas, um, low-income, middle-income housing, you know, those broad categories that we allocated those dollars to from the total bond. I, I'm just thinking out loud. Okay. Um, if there's no other comments on that, I'll move on to the next item. Um, so other committee business, A, 2A is your annual report. So this is a report that's issued from the committee that um, speaks to the work that you completed during fiscal year 2018-19. Um, you've received a draft and I have submissions from um, several of you as bond liaisons or program liaisons. Content was drafted um, from my staff to reflect some of your other work. The survey report we just mentioned, the update to your website. Um, you had a draft of this in your packet for your review. Um, there's a couple of pieces that still need to be corrected, uh, and I'll just list them out loud. Um, the road repaving and street safety and, sorry, road, road repaving bond and the transportation bond, the text that was in your draft is still the last year's text, so we need an updated paragraph on that. Um, the, Con the text on uh, public safety is still last year's text. Since there isn't a current liaison assignment um, to that, we could uh, just draft a couple of bullet points based on the content that was presented to you during the year and leave it at that. Uh, that's one suggestion. Wh which one are you talking about? The uh, yes, sir. public health. The 2016? I think I provided that. Did you update that one? Yeah, yeah, it didn't. I didn't change a lot. <laughs> okay, um, I'll I'll check again. But okay. if if not, I, I I can make something work. Okay. And then lastly, um, uh, Member McNulty had already sent me an updated text on the whistleblower program, which I neglected to include. I'm sorry about that. So I'll have to switch out the text, which is in the draft that was in your packet, with her updated text. Right. And then there's a couple of items, just line items. We, I, we wanted to put the total amount of uh, bond expenditures under your oversight in the executive summary paragraph, and I have to confirm that number. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of links um, that, I, that need to be added. And then, of course, any comments or reflections that you have from your review on it that you want us to change or update content you would like to add, edits, um, uh, Please feel free to give me those now, and um, we will work to finalize this report in the next couple of weeks. Um, my ESER draft is completed, but I just want to, add, given what I've heard today, make a few changes, and I'll have it to you by the end of the week. Okay. Uh, Peg, just an editorial comment um, in the page the, the page that's behind the cover page, when you're listing the GOBOC committee members, uh, Ms. McHugh is listed twice. Oh, thanks. I also know there's a place where the font changes, so it needs to be proofed and, you know, fixed in that way. Any other member comments? 
No, I, I follow up. I spotted a couple typos in my own report that I just want to clear up with you. But Great. Um, yes, and thank you for your diligence and uh, the, the text that you provided is really helpful and interesting. <clears throat> so it sounds like, uh, Kevin, can you do the, um, oh, Brian, I'm sorry. Can you uh, do the road repaving and transport? Can you do a paragraph on the road repaving? Road repaving? What? The 2011 one? Because I. No, the 2014. 2014, of course. Yeah. Thank you. I'm okay. delinquent, but I'll. So he's, he's assigned that. Um, Lauren's going to do ESER, um, and Peg's going to whistleblower program um, and general edits. And then we're done. Um, so we can do one of two things. We can either make those edits, bring it back here, and then vote on it, or um, can we vote today, assuming that those five changes, four changes are going to be made? Absolutely. You, is this on? No. Absolutely. You can. Um, I don't want to force anyone into anything, but. Um, you can direct the staff to make these changes and then approve it out. Okay. Do you guys feel comfortable voting on today? Is there a. I don't. I think we should see the final report before we approve it. In, with no, you know, with the, the clean, the one that's ready to go public, I'd rather see the final before okay. I authorize it. Okay. I guess uh, I don't know if the suggestion was that you delegate that, if that's possible, to somebody on the committee so that it doesn't have to come back to the full committee. Was that the idea? Would you be comfortable with that? I would not. I would like all members to read the final report before it goes public and to approve it. I'm sorry. That's, it's a public document, and uh, you know, some of us still have to get our reports in, and you know, Peg has some things she needs to do. I mean, I, I, can we not approve it at the October meeting? No, we can. That's fine. It's completely up to you. Yeah. It's just a, a timing. I mean, I, I'm looking to the chair as the person who will give it the final read, and but that, that we'll really only see something that, that the chair and staff feel is pristine and ready to go, but I, I don't, I'm not comfortable having it go public until we all read it. Great. So fine. we will do that. And if I haven't received the content that we're promised, I'll shoot you a reminder so that I get it by... Whatever you, know, you need, yeah. You, you, like the second Friday in September at the absolute latest. Great. Thank you. Okay. Um, so, oh, and just again to remind folks, we attach to this report our long report, which is on 18 months of bond expenditures, which has full information, scope, schedule, and budget on all the programs. So um, members of the public who are looking to review this subject matter would have you know, your report in the front and then the long text at the back, which is all the detail. Oh, I'm sorry, can you say that again? We, we include our report as an attachment oh, right. to yours. Yes, yes, sorry. Um, 2B, uh, your draft work plan. So also including in your packet is the draft work plan that we discussed at the last couple of meetings. Um, and again, just to remind folks, we set up a calendar of five meetings during the fiscal year. We set up to have a formal bond program presentation at one meeting, and then in the opposite, as much as possible, six-month mark to that meeting, you would have a liaison report on that same bond. So that's the way the schedule is set up. Um, we slotted in the whistleblower program twice, the CSA program twice, the city capital plan at your March meeting. And so again, the floor is open or 
Chair Chu or Vice Chair Post might have any comments or additions reflecting on the things that have been presented in the last couple of months, suggestions you want to make on this? I do. I'd like to add the ESER uh, liaison report to the May calendar. I'm presuming that this will calendar will be adopted annually. We're going to, this is going to be the set schedule. Then that, that's not on here at all, and well, it needs to go on. Yes, that should definitely be added to May. Um, I, I propose not voting on this and making it set schedule because it tends to, you know, we. But just for our planning. But yes. What we know that's where it belongs. Coming up. Right. Yep, yep, that's where yeah. it belongs. And I'd also like to request uh, specific meeting days. Is it third Monday or the fourth Monday of the five months listed on the back, August, October? I really would like to know if it's, I would literally like a set day of the third or fourth Monday if that's what's happening. Yes, and they've been scheduled and the room reservations have been made, right, Mary? That's correct. Um, it was made based on five meetings. Um, so if you could, right now, do you have them at your fingertips? I would love to know what the meetings are. Yeah, if I can just have Mary read out the dates. Right. Sorry um, about that. That's all right. So we have October 21st, January 27th, March 16th, and May 18th. Thank you. I have a question about the whistleblower scheduling. It looks like there's the program reports and the liaison reports for both dates. Are we just doing liaison reports on, on one or both? Well, I think the, 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 the process that Peg laid out um, was for the bonds. Um, okay. We have more, the whistleblower is so important to us that I wanted to have it on there twice. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's such a, uh, a rare opportunity for someone to have governance over that, that particular program. So. Can I hear the date for the next meeting? October 21st. 21st. Yeah. And we'll make sure you guys get the invitation as well. So regarding the work plan, a couple, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, uh, um, Peter's going to take on um, the capital plan. So we, we're going to have a liaison for the capital plan. Um, uh, uh, Peter and um, Siobhan are going to um, uh, transition the whistleblower program from Brenda, which was very important. Um, we still don't have anyone for the 2011 road paving. Again, I'm not too concerned about that because everything's been spent, um, or almost everything. Um, and then all we have left is the park bond. Is anyone willing to meet with the park bond people between now and October? Because they, they really are the, the, the meat of our October meeting. Anyone? 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 Looking at Bart? Okay. Thank you. Bart. Um, I also see uh, the seawall in our, in our next meeting. And the seawall, can, can you explain the status of the seawall? Um, Anna might know more than I do. I'm not much in the meetings on this, so if I could ask her to Great. tell us what she knows about the status. Uh, it's the seawall bond has been delayed temporarily due to litigation. Uh, uh, due to, you kind of drifted off there. Location? Litigation. Litigation. And so it, it hasn't been issued, right? Correct. Okay, so it hasn't been issued, so the projects can't start. Correct. Okay, and how much notice will we have when... In, in the issuances, it, take, it takes a few months to get to get the stuff going, right? After the litigation's over. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. So we'll know. We'll know it's coming. Awesome. Uh, and then finally, one other housekeeping question: Are 
um, and this is if you guys are comfortable, um, our, our packets include for every bond two, two things, like the short one that's in the meeting that we presented, presented, presented to us, and then the big report. Um, are you guys comfortable with that going out as a link and not being printed for us? It feels, um, I, but I have to say that Brenda did reference it today, um, and so um, it obviously was useful to you to have this in, in the packet. As hard copy seemed versus it. electronically. Yeah, thank you. These are useful to, to me. As I sometimes, you know, when I review it, when I look at the presentation um, charts, um, is there's, if there's something that I would like to see in more detail, then I go to the um, quarterly reports. But um, Peg, uh, tell us, um, I thought most of these departments issue quarterly reports anyway, so they're not specifically doing it for GOBOC. I think they do. I'm not 100% sure on that. We need to check on the standard oversight reporting of each bond program, but many, if not most of them, issue, do something for a commission, for example. And so our thought here, again, is that rather than include a hard copy of every report, we would give you a link, and you could review it, save paper, you know, on everybody's end, certainly as a practical matter at your meeting, we would we could have a hard copy of the latest report if one was wanted. Um. I think in the distribution packet, I think Mary actually did, at least she reached out to me to ask if I would prefer um, a link or report, and I said I wanted printed reports. So you could still have other committee members who would not prefer the printed copy to get the link so they can go and read the detailed quarterly reports. Is that too much work for staff? I would like to suggest, Brenda, that we all have electronic copies of the, of the thick report and only have the staff have to print and prepare the shorter summaries. It, would it really be an inconvenience for us on our computers to, to, get, to refer to the electronic copies? We're not saying we don't want the quarterly reports, the thick ones. Uh, with all the detail, but I think electronic copy is sufficient since we're all you know, on our... Well, I don't think this is a matter we need to vote on. So, uh, Mary, can you just take this under advisement when you, put, when you put these things together? Yeah, definitely. And all the materials are posted online, and the idea is to eventually, um, if it's comfortable, move some that are not printed. Basically, we're trying to save paper, so and also production. So if there's a way that you know folks are comfortable with using some... Um, electronic version that'll be helpful in the production world so great awesome that's all for the other committee business any public comment comments from members adjourned wow meeting is here we made a Are we adjourned? Yeah. Oh, good. Thanks.